International success coach and noted author, Constance Arnold, delivers life-changing strategies through her own spiritual practices, as well as with best-selling authors and experts that she interviews. Think, Believe, and Manifest is specially designed to empower your mind and words to work for you and to bring about a life you've been dreaming of. And now, here's Constance Arnold. Well, hello, Power of the Manifestor, and welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. And of course, I am Constance Arnold, host of the Think, Believe, and Manifest Talk Show. I'm so excited. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful and appreciative that you have made a decision to tune in today. And guess what? I believe that your life will be radically changed. You know, all it takes is one word, one idea, one contact, one aha moment that can uh, radically change your life. So let's come into agreement, okay, that this is what's going to happen. Well, it is September. Can you believe it? Oh, my goodness. Four months into Christmas, where did this year go? Amazing. Well, it's been a good week for me. I have uh, just been so excited about the results of the people who attended my retreat. I'm going to have them come on my show so you can just understand when I say the power of group dynamics. Uh, it's, it's just so awesome. So I'm going to answer a listener's question. Question, Better still, I think I'm going to read an email uh, before I tell you who's going to be on my show. So this is an email from a listener in Europe, in Italy. And she says, Constance, I've been listening to your show for years and I love it when you teach. Thank you, my dear. I know you asked for people to come on your show, but I am so shy. So I thought I would send you an email about what's been happening in my life. I love the way that you break principles down. And that you teach us about baby steps because sometimes I feel very overwhelmed by all the info that I am receiving. Sometimes I will listen to one of your shows 10 times. Her name is Stephanie. And Stephanie, that is how you do it, young lady. You listen to it because your subconscious responds to what repetition so I, I listen 10 times and I write it down. I love that you talk about baby steps and atomic habits because sometimes I feel too overwhelmed by everything that I'm listening, that I'm listening to. <clears throat> so I listen, I take notes, and then I implement. So here are some things that I manifest. Remember the show where you talked about people were afraid to even go and look for a car. I remember that show uh, because they didn't have credit or, um, or money. Well, that was me. 
So I was afraid, but I went and looked at cards and just like you said, showing up, God will show up. And now I have purchased a used car and don't have to depend on other people to get me around. Isn't that wonderful? I've also asked for a raise. I was so afraid, but you said that how you view yourself is what you do. And when I went in and asked my boss for a raise, guess what? I received it. Hour of power is what she has down here. And she says, instead of me doing an hour of power, I started with five minutes 10 minutes, and now I have increased it to 15. Remember, you said consistency was is what it is all about. Also, I have changed my eating habits. You talked about stacking successes. Y'all, guys, y'all remember when I talked about you stack successes, and when you do, you're creating uh, the spirit of momentum, and uh, she says, I'm losing a pound a week. And it may not sound like very much, but like you said, if you lose a pound a week, at the end of a week, you have, you would have lost 52 pounds. I also downloaded the creation frequency. See, this young lady, she's not just listening. She's doing, but she's not making it so overwhelming that, it's too much for her. I downloaded the creation frequency, y'all, which is free. And it's just where you record your affirmations and your desires. And it automatically puts the theta state music in the background. And she said, I'm just focusing in on one area. I just want to let you know how much your show has changed a young lady's life all the way in Europe. Thank you so much. And I love and appreciate you. Isn't that wonderful? So if you have a great manifestation story, email me and I will read it on the air. Oh, another thing she said, I forgot to say, she said, I, maybe I said it that she was too shy to come online. <laughs> you know, when I do live coaching. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Well, my guest today is Peter Canova, and he's going to be talking about quantum spirituality, guys. Th this guy is a genius. He's going to be talking about science and connecting with source consciousness. So I do want you to stay tuned. Follow me on social media, TikTok. Man, I've been putting out some powerful TikTok and uh IG and Facebook and YouTube, um, two to three minute videos and one minute reels. TikTok and Instagram is Law of Attraction Constance. Facebook is Coach with Constance. And of course, my YouTube channel. So I want all of you to subscribe, to follow me on those social media platforms. Uh, anything else, if you are serious, if you feel like we are a vibrational match, if you understand that it is September and that everybody needs a coach, everybody needs someone to guide, mentor, 
say, no, not this way, go that way to give you different insight. Uh, everyone uh, needs a coach. I have two of them. Uh, as a matter of fact, his wife, Bishop Victor Yuzosiki's wife is in the U.S. now from uh, uh, Africa. I had lunch with her, I mean, excuse me, dinner with her last night. And uh, she just spoke some things into my life because she's just as powerful as he is as we were driving uh, back from dinner. Because a coach can see your blind side. A coach can, uh, sometimes I just receive downloads from the spirit. And even before I coach my client, I, I'll say to them, this was the insight that I got about you. It's called a word of wisdom word of prophecy and they're like how did you know that <laughs> and one person said well we can just end the session because that's everything that I was going to talk about it's just something about having a spiritual coach because even with all of my 30 years of wisdom to have the downloads from the spirit about a client certainly supersedes any of, of the wisdom that I have. So if you're looking for a sage coach who has wisdom, who's not talking the life, who has and is living the life, if you're ready for change in September, if you're ready to make the investment of time, effort, energy, and finances, let's do a discovery called Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. It'll be 20 minutes, no pressure from me. I'll get a chance to listen to you and uh, see if you would like to coach with me. I currently coach clients on five continents. When you get me, you get a therapist slash Certified Law of Attraction and Dream Coach. I think that's all I'm going to say. Everybody, let's relax. You know, it's so important to breathe, isn't it? <laughs> let's take a deep breath in, everybody. Let it out. One last time, deep breath in. Let it out. I'm going to be right back and we're going to be ready to receive Mr. Peter Canova. Stay tuned. Are you feeling stuck? Are you ready to live a life beyond your wildest dream? Constance Arnold is a seasoned and experienced professional licensed counselor for 25 years and a certified success life coach and would love to partner with you to create your dreams. She's coached and trained over 10,000 clients on five continents and has a proven track record of success. Constance will assist you in getting a clear vision for your life and develop customized strategies, projects, and action steps to begin manifesting your dream. Contact her today at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com and visit her website at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. Well, everybody, I'm back and I'm really excited. You know, I believe that everybody 
who comes to the Think, Believe, and Manifest show is really drawn to us by the spirit. And today we have a real baller in the house. And I just believe that we should give honor to this great man. Let me tell you a little bit, a bit about him. My very special guest is Peter Canova, and he is a highly successful businessman. He's a historian and a spiritual philosopher, international businessman, and he had a series of life-changing spiritual experiences. Can anybody relate to that? And he began studying and writing on spirituality and consciousness. He is the author of the 25-time award-winning First Souls Trilogy and has contributed to the popular Chicken Soup for the Soul series. We all love Jack Canfield. He has a podcast, which I've, I've listened to, Quantum Spirituality on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. He lives in Florida, and we're going to be talking about his new book, Quantum Spirituality. If you're watching this on video, you can see it, and I am excited. So, Peter, welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Well, thanks, Constance. Nice to be with you today. You're so brilliant, and you're such a genius, and you're so smart. Uh, but the first thing that I want to get to is I want you to share with our listening audience just, you know, quickly about your spiritual experience. And, you know, my listeners, y'all have heard my spiritual experience for the past 15 years, and I know you don't want to hear it again, but those experiences really shift and change us and take us to other dimensions to serve others. So tell us about that. We want to hear that. Before yeah, well, you do, I think, so, so, so were you praying? Were you seeking? Were you meditating? Were you thinking it's something more? Show me God. Why do you think that happened to you? Well, if you want to really understand my mindset, I would only say that uh, I guess I was always a person, even when I was very young, mm-hmm. um, that I was always, you know, saying there's got to be something more than this. Um and it really wasn't a heck of a lot more than that. What, what I, I mean, I guess you could say in a way without formally praying, I was probably looking for answers. You know, my inner being was looking for answers, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, not formally praying about anything. In any, any case, in my 20s, I found out that I was a very accurate medical intuitive and all people had to do was give me somebody's name, age and address. And I'd be able to pretty much... Um, know what was going on with them, both uh, physically, um, you know, psychologically and so forth. And then when I kind of put the uh, disbelief about that aside, uh, it opened up a whole floodgate of different experiences for me, clairvoyance, clairaudience, remote viewing, premonitions, uh, just a a whole, um, you know, a whole slew of things. So, you know, I'm a Capricorn and I wasn't really satisfied just to have the experiences i kind of you know the left brain side of me wanted to i wanted to understand the nuts and bolts of you know how how could all this be happening so uh i started studying ancient spiritual traditions and not long after that it led me into the field of quantum physics now people might think well you know what's the connection there but actually it's it's really kind of logical when you come to think about it because they both deal primarily with matter, light, and energy in their own ways. This is what they discuss. And the creation, because all those are the elements of creation, light, matter, and energy. So uh, I started studying quantum physics, and then I became astonished when I started to see 
these striking parallels between particularly the ancient Gnostic texts. The Gnostics were a group, and we can talk about who they might okay. be later on. No, but uh, I saw striking parallels in the Gnostic text where they were describing literally every major theory of modern quantum physics, like the God particle, parallel universes, the Big Bang, um, in non-technical terms, of course, but but still quite vivid terms that anybody I think who was trained could really, you know, draw the draw the connect the dots there, draw the draw the parallel conclusions. So I mean, that was it, and then that that really um, changed my life because I realized that this isn't reality. This is this is just a layer of reality. It might be the lowest layer of reality. And that there are other higher realities that precede ours. And uh, when I started, you know, touching those and delving those, it was really all, where it boils down to Constance is, it was about having experiences with higher consciousness. And that's what my book is about, to help people have experiences with higher consciousness. I love that. So speaking of consciousness, what is the nature of consciousness? You know, in the law of attraction world, we say your consciousness creates your reality. I know you've heard that a million times. So sure. when you say conscious, what is the nature of that? Well, the first thing to understand about consciousness is that it's a single source, even though it appears in multiple forms. So the the one conscious intelligence that underlies all reality in all levels of creation is is a singular thing and consciousness expresses itself through the medium of light energy consciousness is the substance light energy is the conveyor the vehicle by which energy spreads itself out and creates all the apparent and i say apparent appearances uh, uh the various forms of, of of reality including right down to what i guess i'm thinking is maybe perhaps the lowest level which is spiritual energy or conscious energy in material forms what well, what well, when you say that a lot of my listeners you know their law of attraction and so they believe that consciousness is god is spirit and when you tap into that you can create the reality that you desire. Is that true? Yes, but I think you have to have a little bit deeper understanding about how it all works than that to, to really help you out. So I think the first thing to understand is that because consciousness projected everything from itself, and incidentally, this kind of gets into the difference between um, the Judeo-Christian belief and a more spiritual understanding of God and consciousness. Um, the Judeo-Christian belief is that we're separate creations from that which created us. So to give you an example, Pinocchio and Geppetto, right? Geppetto created Pinocchio, but Geppetto, uh, Pinocchio was the creation. Geppetto was the creator. So to create is to fashion or make something separate from yourself. That's the Judeo-Christian version of God. God is something separate from us. We are creations of God. And oh, by the way, we did something to tick him off, him with a, you know, mm -hmm. eight capital eight. We did something to tick him off and we're forever trying to get back in his good graces. Okay, we're like these lowly sinners. So the Gnostic conception, the ancient spiritual conception was, uh, 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 that's not the way it works. There's a very radical difference here. We are not creations of God. We are projections or emanations of God's very essence. God outflowed its energy. The, the one consciousness flowed or projected its energy outward into different points of consciousness. And in that sense, you can 
liken it to a power grid, okay? In, a, in a, an electrical grid, you have, you know, the source, but then, you know, you have the relay station. So the 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 energy, the raw energy from the source has to be tapped down, has to be limited down in order to be able to be used. It's just, otherwise it's just too much. Well, it's really the same way that consciousness works. We are consciousness, but we have to remember we are consciousness in a limited form, okay? If we were if we contained all the raw power of, of, of the supreme consciousness, we wouldn't be individuals. We'd, be, we'd just be absorbed back into the stream consciousness. But the fact that we perceive ourselves as individuals is because we possess limited forms of that energy or limited forms of that consciousness. So, yes, we are part of that conscious stream that created everything. And yes, we did contribute to um, the creation of reality, each of us. You know, uh, each of us uh, contributed our own energy, much like uh, think of a conductor in a symphony. Okay, we all played our little parts to create that symphony. And to the extent that we come become more aware of our source, then the the co-creation you're talking about, the ability to sort of um, manifest things, make things happen, uh, becomes greater. Whereas, you know, if we're not very conscious of this at all, for the most part, life leads us around by the nose. If we become more conscious, we can start to lead life around us a little bit more. So, yes, co-creation, co-creation uh, is a reality, but but, you know, people need to really kind of understand the, the inner workings of it. So I love the way you talk about science and Gnostic mysticism. So break that down for listeners. And why is that important? And why don't we know some of these things? It's like it's been hidden from us. The whole mysticism. Why is that? Explain that to listeners. Well, first, I guess I ought to explain who the Gnostics were, because I can't assume your listeners know about the Gnostics. Okay, because you're right. It has been hidden to a large extent. So the Gnostics were a group of mystics that were centered in Alexandria, Egypt, the Greek city of Alexandria, Egypt, a couple thousand years ago. And Alexandria was the intellectual capital of the world at that time, much more so than Rome or Athens, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the the currents of spiritual wisdom that flowed through there, given where it was both geographically and culturally, uh, were, were really vast. I mean, you have influences, direct influences from Hinduism, Persian Zoroastrianism, the Jewish Kabbalah, Greek Hellenistic philosophy, Egyptian Hermeticism. I mean, all these powerful uh, mystical strains flowed through Alexandria. And the Gnostics essentially took advantage of these and synthesized them. Because incidentally, all these mystical traditions at one time really had one understanding. And over thousands of years, they became differentiated through each culture, but they still retain a core essence that united them, these these understandings that united them. So the Gnostics, I guess you could say, in a way, resynthesized these uh, spiritual traditions. And the Gnostics predated Christianity. But Hmm. when Jesus of Nazareth came along, they became the first Christians because they recognized that Jesus was teaching a Gnostic teaching. Okay, and we that's a whole nother thing that we can get into if you're interested, but I want to stay on point here. So the Gnostics um, have these uh, uh, mystical understandings. And in the uh, Gnostic creation story, you can see all the elements of modern quantum theory playing out. So things like the parallel universes, the God particle, the Big Bang, symmetry breaking, um, explanations of how the creation occurred in the Gnostic text are shockingly 
similar, similar, really, they shockingly predated what quantum science is finding out today. And this is why I was probably attracted to the Gnostics more than uh, uh, more than uh, any other uh, spiritual tradition. So for me, what 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 it did was, see, again, I told you I'm a Capricorn, I'm a practical mm-hmm. person, okay? When I hear a lot of new age stuff, I have to tell you honestly, I, my tongue well, goes I, in I, my I, I want you to tell me honestly, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, when I hear a lot of new age stuff floating around there, my tongue honestly goes into my cheek uh, <laughs> a, little, a little bit because, but you know what the main thing, Constance, is this. Um, I, I think that the power of having the Gnostic text and looking at the scientific side of it at the same time gives us a much more complete picture of how things are. So I could sit here all day and tell you things. I could give you all these little bits of wisdom and everything else. And you have to take it on faith that I'm I'm correct. You you know what? Uh, you know I, I I could be just as wrong as I could be right. Okay, if you if you didn't experience fire. And I told you that fire burns. Well, you know, you could take it on faith, but you really wouldn't know that until you put your hand in the fire, you see. And once you put your hand in that fire, you own it. You know, it's an experience that you've had directly and you own it. So I think the power of having the science and the the spiritual uh, sides of things is that it, it, it forms a roadmap for us. And like any roadmap, you need more than one coordinate, right? So you have to have north and south or latitude and longitude. So in this case, um, you know, we have science and mystical wisdom. And when you see them pretty much saying the same thing, okay, you can, you know, place a good bet that you're yeah. onto something where there's smoke, there's fire. So they, I, what I think is they provide us a better guide to understanding reality, consciousness, and all these other things than either one of them would on their own. Well, talk to us a little bit about Jesus' teachings. Well, we know from the Bible itself that it says in all the synoptic gospels that unto the masses, Jesus taught in parables, but unto the disciples, he gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does that mean? That means he had a secret teaching. He had two teachings. And that's further confirmed that uh, by writings from early church fathers like Clement of Alexandria and Origen, both of whom were bishops of that beautiful ancient city, Alexandria, early Christian bishops. And they confirm in, in writing that Jesus indeed had a secret mystical teaching that was only given to a few. The reason being is they were afraid that, first of all, the masses back in those days, the average uneducated masses, wouldn't really have understood it. And, you know, it would have been abused and bastardized. Unfortunately, kind of that's what happened anyway. But so their their early Christianity had two branches. It had the inner mystical church and the outer Church of the parables, which are and the and the outer teachings, which became the churches that we know today, evolved into the churches that we know today, the Orthodox Catholic churches. So, um, you know, uh, the the early mystical church was largely led by females, particularly Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. and um, in in the Gnostic Gospels, uh, very clear that Mary is the primary disciple. In fact, Peter who the Church of Rome is built on, was pretty much a dunce in, in those Gospels. He didn't get it. He couldn't understand Jesus' radical teachings. Mary had to explain to him and the disciples, she had to restate Jesus' teachings to them to explain to them what was going on because these teachings were so radical. She was trying to get these outside guys outside the box of Jewish law, which they had been you know, born into. And um, most of them, you know, just had were struggled and had a really hard time understanding the teachings. But we need to remember 
that there was no such thing as Christianity in the time of Jesus. And, and for many, for years thereafter, if, if you called somebody Christian, then they would not know what you're talking about. It was called the way. Now that wow. is very, mm-hmm. that is very indicative because what does that indicate to you? It indicates that the way was not a religion. It was a path to spiritual enlightenment, like yoga or something else. It was a path. It was a set of teachings and a path to spiritual enlightenment. So uh, anyway, uh, unfortunately, uh, for various historical reasons, the outer church became ascendant became adopted as the state religion of the Roman Empire and started to assume all kinds of characteristics of the Roman Empire. So, you know, the uh, the bishops became, um, you know, the Senate uh, or the the, uh, the the bishops became like the cardinals or the Senate, the cardinals were like the Senate and the Pope was sort of like the emperor back in those days. So it it, it became the church of dogma and hierarchy and so forth. And the mystical teachings were not only suppressed, I mean, to a large extent, they were physically eradicated. Their writings were suppressed and so forth. And that's why you ask, why are things so hidden? Well, insofar as the Gnostic wisdom, they the only reason that we're even talking here today in any, any depth about the Gnostics is because in 1945, the same year um, that the uh, atomic, we came into the atomic age and Oppenheimer and all mm-hmm. that, that was the same year that the Gnostic Gospels were accidentally discovered in some caves in Egypt. And I think it's not a coincidence. I think I think humanity was being given two choices in the quantum age, the understanding of the Gnostics, of how we could use quantum understandings to further ourselves, and the understanding of the um, the dark side of it, which was the uh, resulted in the atomic bomb. But in any case, uh, if we if those if those Gospels had not been discovered, we would have m- far little far far fewer information about this mystical tradition than than what we have well what's your thinking on religion and how it people are just frustrated and know that god's spirit source is so much bigger than that and in many ways it has imprisoned and kept people captive do you feel like your work which i've been listening and, and studying your stuff it's freeing and just the understanding of that quantum world with with the, the ancient teachings is very freeing. What would you say to people who might be feeling frustrated around religion? Well, first of all, I'm not a religion basher. In fact, uh, yeah, I'm not the, either. <laughs> the trilogy, the trilogy that I wrote, the first Souls trilogy, the first book is about an African nun that becomes the first female pope at a time when America and Iran mm-hmm. are about to go into a nuclear war, and she she doesn't. Uh, well, it looks like she's destroying the church, but what 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 she's really doing is bringing back the original mystical understandings and reforming the church from within. So, uh, if I again to try and use an analogy, I think everybody is on a spiritual journey. And when you're on this path, you come across certain way stations. So if it's a religion, they invite you in and they say, okay, you know, we've got the, we've got the answers here. We've got the truth here. And, uh, you know, just stay in our box here and and become part of this community. Okay. That's religion. But uh, on the spiritual, uh, uh, the spiritual journey would be you go into the way stations and you learn what you can, and then you leave and you continue your journey to further and heighten your understanding. So in other words, spirituality is open-ended. Religion t- tends to be closed-ended. Religion tends to want to put you in a box of certain beliefs, traditions, and so forth. And of course, there's always money involved too these days. But um, you know, spirituality 
uh, is an open-ended place that you can go into and take what you need and then, you know, move on because what we see as truth today could be superseded by higher knowledge or higher truths down the road. So I think spirituality has the understanding that it's a growth process, whereas religion can be inhibitive uh, and try and sort of, you know, keep you static at a certain point. But at the end of the day, I think religion can be what you make of it. Uh, I don't think, for instance, if you take, take people, you know, Catholic backgrounds, um, you know, most Catholics today, or at least most American Catholics, they don't believe everything the church tells them, all the, you know, th things coming out of Rome. Um, they go and they t attend church for, you know, different reasons. People can take out of that, you know, what they want. At the end of the day, you as an individual have to determine what you want to take out of, out of religion. And it doesn't mean you have to blindly follow what everything that they're telling you, but like everything else in life, there is value in religion. There are truths there. There are things that you can learn. There are spiritual understandings. And I, so I, I look at religion just the way the, the, the Gnostics looked at it back in the old days. The outer religion was like spirituality 101, but the purpose is to graduate, not to stay, not yeah. to stay in kindergarten, not to stay in kindergarten. Well, you profoundly shared that. What is the feminine path to higher consciousness? What does that mean? You know, a lot of people are talking about feminine energy and and all of that. But but what did you mean by that question? Yeah, well, the first thing that we need to understand is that feminine energy is not confined to females. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, Carl Jung, the the famous depth depth, depth psychologist, uh, recognized that we all have these characteristics in us. So he called it the anima and the animus, which is the male and the female and the female and the male. And it, what it means is it, it it it's qualities that so for instance, females the female energy tends to be more intuitive. It tends to be more insightful. The male energy tends to be more linear and logical and analytical, it, kind of corresponding to the left and right brains that you know that we yeah. brains that we've heard of. So uh, the ideal person and for both Jung and for the Gnostics would be those who balanced both that they were they were activating the the qualities of both their their left and right right brains both the the male and female polarities but the female um polarity i i believe has the advantage in that intuition and insight to me is really the true gateway to higher mm -hmm. knowledge and higher understanding um i mean I, you know if you really want to have the feeling of direct experiences of higher consciousness. That's something that you intuit. That's something that you feel. It, it, you, the logic and analysis can bring you to a certain point, but then you've got to make the leap where you have the experience. And to have the experience means that you have to intuit that and you have to, you know, you have to feel it within your being. So that that's the important part. I, you know how I like in a constant, it's I take a rocket ship, for example. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the two components of a rocket primarily are your, um, you know, your fuel and your guidance system. Um, you know, the fuel is the insight, the emotional energy that uplifts you. The guidance system, however, is what directs you because if you if you launch off and you have no guidance system, you just go around in circles, right? So the the two work hand in hand because the the feminine energy can be the the, the you know the fuel that launches you off and gives you these insights. But then you know you you want to have some direction in that you you can wander around spiritually just as well you can, as well you can wander around anything else. So it's a matter of how you want to direct that energy, which is important. So the two really have to work hand in hand. I love that. 
Tell us about quantum physics. I, I love it. Uh, and whenever I, the more I learn about it, the more I feel closer to God. I'm like, oh my God, that is truth. And, and the merging of spirituality and quantum physics. Share that with listeners. Some uh, A listener sent that question in to me for you because I went on my social media and told them that I was interviewing you. So they right. wanted to know what is quantum physics and how does it merge with spirituality? Well, one of the most famous quantum physicists, Richard Feynman, said that anybody thinks they understand quantum physics doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so it, it is quantum physics is very, very counterintuitive to what we consider reality. And the very simple way to demonstrate that is that, you know, we sit here and, you know, we believe we are solid beings in a solid three dimensional world. But we know that um, that at its basic reality, that world is not solid at all. It's composed of um, atoms, molecules, subatomic particles that are, you know, moving around, uh, moving around in space. So right away, you have to say to yourself, God, well, we're kind of living in a form of illusion because this, this outside world doesn't jive with the inside world that created it. How, how is that? So the real, the reality is that um, there are no such things as particles. Now, mm. the, 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 what, what we think of as particles, which are the things that form solid mass, they don't exist at fundamental levels. What exists at fundamental levels are waves of light energy. So basic reality is really an energy field. It's not, it's not, it's not, um, it's not the solid world that we think of. And the best way that I can explain it to you is if you think, all right, so here in Florida, we have a phenomenon that happens called water spouts, right? And you can look out your back, like on a river of the water, and it can be nice and smooth, but all of a sudden this sort of tornado, tornado like feature forms and it starts swirling around, it looks just like a, a waterborne tornado. Okay. And uh, you don't want to be in a boat next to it. <laughs> and uh, so, so, uh, so the the um, the water, which the smooth water underneath it, can be likened to this quantum energy field. The disturbance or the blemish or the blip is this uh, water spout. But the water spout derives; it's not a separate thing. It derives from that smooth energy field. So quantum science is saying that our reality is kind of like the same way. We're kind of like a blemish or a blip in the quantum field, and under under particular circumstances, this energy can uh, collapse and assume, you know, sort of like particle form. I don't want to get too deeply into that because I don't want to confuse the audience. But uh, essentially, the the main thing to remember here is that matter itself. The atoms are only 1% mass. They're 99% light and energy. We focus wow. on 1% to the exclusion of the 99%, which is light, energy, and space. So in a lot of ways, we're living in a matrix. We're living in kind of a holographic matrix or an illusion, as you probably have heard in pop culture. And yeah. you see, you've seen in the Matrix movies. It's really quite true that, you know, that we are really a, more like projections from this energy field, temporary projections from this energy field than we are reality, that we are reality itself. So, um, but quantum physics essentially um, is the is the study of uh the, the small world, the subatomic world, um, as opposed to um, relativistic physics, which is the study of macro objects like, 
you know, planets, galaxies, um, you know, anything that can be, uh, you know, visible and detected. So it, there's really kind of two two branches to physics. One is traditional physics and the other uh, relativistic physics and the other is quantum physics. But quantum physics is the study of the properties of the um, subatomic world and, and, you know, light energies and so forth. Can we tap into that other 99% that you said that you mentioned? And how do we do that? Because you said that we're only tapping into the 1%. Well, that has to do with growing into higher consciousness. It's, it's really the same thing as the conscious awakening because that other 99% is is you know it is the raw energy is the conscious energy that derives from the source itself so i mean to the extent that we raise our consciousness and tap into that we're we're looking at a more complete example of of reality but remember this that the re, the, the the realities that we experience are going to be within our minds okay i'm not telling you that you know someday you're going to be you know physically transported to another dimension or another world. If you are, it really is going to take place in your own mind. But mind is primary. Mind is what created everything. So the experiences that you have can have in your mind or can be just as real as the experiences that you have in physical reality, or perhaps sometimes even more so, because that, that mind energy is uh, what we're made of. We're made out of mind stuff. In fact, the Hindus call the... Um, the beings that that God or that the energy projected these individual beings of limited conscious consciousness they call them the mind sons and mind daughters of God really yeah so that indicates to you right there that everything is a construct of the mind of the supreme of the supreme being so to the extent that we tap in to that conscious energy that flowing conscious energy is to the extent that we become more uh, godlike, more aware, um, you know, more more developed in individuals because we start to see those other dimensions beyond the physical. We start to experience those dimensions. Do you feel that uh, your your series is a twenty five time award winning first soul trilogy because your consciousness was was so high or you're thinking, how do you tie that to success, the level of your consciousness or raising your consciousness to the success that is manifested in our lives? Oh, I think, I mean, I think it's directly related. L large parts of um, the First Souls trilogy were, you know, were just channeled. And, um, wow. you know, and so, to the point to the point where sometimes I didn't even feel like I wrote the book myself. I, I feel like somebody else wrote it or something else wrote it. Um, there was a uh, Ohm Times magazine did an article about how many um, of the uh, predictions, geopolitical predictions in the book came to pass, uh, predicting, you know, Iran uh, going nuclear, second Gulf War, uh, the rise of a third world pope who would not take a typical papal name, but keep their own name, which is what the pope in my book does. Uh, I mean, there were numerous parallels in there, and and they did an article some years back on all the predictions that came true. So um, these these were the channeled things, but um, the trilogy is, is related but distinct from the new book, Quantum Spirituality. Mm -hmm. Quantum Spirituality is the result of the four like forty years of research that I did 
that formed the basis for the trilogy, the themes mm. of the trilogy, you know, are largely uh, what I learned that I expressed in quantum spirituality. And so I, I'm trying to hit people on all levels. One one is have them absorb these principles through an entertaining, you know, thrilling, mm -hmm. you know, page turning books. And then the other one is, you know, to have a little bit more of something that functions somewhat like a textbook uh to understand these principles but the, the the goal behind all my work is to help people have experiences extraordinary experiences with higher consciousness to give them a little bit of a roadmap and tools and knowledge and things how that they can incorporate in their own practice to heighten their ability to um contact this higher consciousness well i love that and so when you said it was channeled i kind of feel like that uh, about one of my books, what would you say to somebody who's listening who might be struggling trying to make something work? Should they uh, raise their consciousness, be sit more in meditation to kind of receive that channeling of what they're trying to accomplish? What's your thinking on that? Well, I think that that's an individual thing for every person because okay. there's so many there's so many different pathways. There is no one path. So what what you know what happened with me, you know, will not necessarily be the way that um, uh, other people um, you know will relate to uh, uh, or you know find this consciousness. And um, so, so Peter, you said sometimes when you hear New Age stuff, you just go ah. So, so, so what about the law of attraction? and quantum spirituality? Well, as I said, um, the law of attraction, I mean, it, it, it is it is a reality. It's something that, that you know, that people can, uh, you know, can experience. But I think that um, I hear a lot of exaggerations and I hear mm -hmm. a lot, the way I hear a lot of people talk, um, they, make a, they make the path to that sound a little easy. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's more involved than that. And as I explained before, since we are um, like little relay stations of consciousness in this consciousness power grid that we spoke of earlier, uh, that um, we, if we attune ourselves and we learn how to attune ourselves to the correct frequencies of this consciousness, because it really all is a matter of frequency. You know, um, we, we operate at a lower frequency than the Supreme Consciousness itself. And the reason for that is that if we didn't, we wouldn't perceive ourselves as individuals. We'd just be absorbed back into that Supreme Consciousness. So the price of individuality is limitation of consciousness, if you understand what I'm saying. I got you. There has to be limitation of consciousness in order to feel like you're an individual, because in reality, we're not. In reality, we're part of a unity. But, but um, you know, we're a projected part of that unity operating in a limited frequency in a limited state of understanding. Now, having said that, you can increase your frequency. You can increase your vibration. Um, certainly one of the best ways to do this is through meditation. But even to get to meditation, uh, if you're unguided, a lot of people just kind of, you know, like sit there and say, well, what do I do next? <laughs> so, you know, I, I really believe that uh, the a helpful way to uh, to do this is to, so you get a book like Quantum Spirituality. Yeah. And uh, you learn the principles and tools behind these things to inspire you that there's something at the end of the rainbow, that this just isn't all baloney, you know, being taught at the New Life Expo, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, by somebody who's selling their CDs. Um, so, uh, you know, it does really help to 
learn the, 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 the tools and get an understanding. Now that understanding can start off as being intellectual. There's nothing wrong with that. It can start off as an intellectual understanding, but hopefully you're inspired enough to further pursue it until it ceases being intellectual and you actually have direct experience with consciousness. It's that difference. Like I told yeah. you, between putting the hand in the fire and, and, or having somebody tell you that fire burns, you know, you, you want to move beyond faith into knowledge you know, and there's two types of knowledge. There's there's a knowledge where you can read in books and you get factual knowledge. But then there's the knowledge of direct experience when you have a direct experience with something. And if you have had a direct experience with higher consciousness, believe me, you know it. It's transformative. It cha- it, it it does uh, it does uh, change your life. Uh, and um, you know, I. Some people like Edgar Casey, the famous psychic, he used to mm-hmm. have to go into a sleep trance in order to get that information. See, it was with me, it was different. With me, it just came through my waking consciousness. Um, and actually, to tell you the, the truth, at a point, I had to ratchet it down because I was getting too... <laughs> um, I'd know conversations happening 10 minutes in advance. I, I, you know, I would know too much about a person just by being next to them or having them touch me or something. I didn't really want that. But I mean, you, it can get to that extent, you know, because we are all connected. We're all connected in a matrix. There's something um, in quantum physics called quantum entanglement. Mm. And it's where particles that are literally hundreds of millions of light years apart are are connected and they can act react instantaneously. So for instance, if there was a version of you here on Earth and another version of Mars, and I pinched the Earth version, the Mars version said, ouch, at the same time, how does that happen? Well, that happens because we are all connected as points of energy in a in a, in a matrix that we don't see with our physical senses, but that matrix nonetheless is, is, is there. So, um, you know, it's... Um, you, you kind of uh, get to the point where when your consciousness reaches a certain level, you start feeling those connections, you know, with other people. And, and, and you know, and that's not necessarily a great thing sometimes. I mean, that's why a lot of medical intuitives, I mean, people like myself or Carolyn Mace, I mean, after a while, we stopped doing it because it just, it, it it's just, it, sometimes you're making, you're, you're absorbing energies and making the connections that you don't necessarily want. But if you learn how to control it, if you learn how to control it, it can be an incredible um, transformative tool in your life. So we are all entangled. So is that why I'm living in Atlanta and you're in Florida and you guys are about to experience, I don't know, going to call it a hurricane, but I feel yeah. compassion and and for people in Florida, but I'm not there. Would that be an example of uh, entanglement because emotionally I am attached to it because I have friends and clients there. So would that be an example of how we're all one collectively and and we're all entangled? Well, sure. I think I mean I, mean, I think it's part of it. I think that it's an aspect of it. The ability the ability to feel compassion, you know, for people as opposed to just purely, you know. Um, being wrapped up in ourselves, I think, yeah, is a part of it. And, and incidentally, this kind of gets into a little bit of an explanation of good and evil, because okay. for, me, for me, evil is when you get to the point where you've lost that, that you, you're, you're, you're so into your own ego gratification that you lose the connection or the ability to have that sympathy with other people uh, or or feel your connection to a larger power 
And that starts to shade into evil. That's when we start to do things to people like, for instance, like what the Nazis did, you know, what we call, you know, in, inhuman. Um, the more we the more we have uh, compassion and we feel connection to other people, um, it, it puts us in, a, I think, a much better frequency to make the type of connections with higher consciousness that we're talking about, because then you're opening yourself up to a, a universal understanding as opposed to being lost within yourself as an individual. People who are people who are psychopaths, they're lost within themselves. You know, they're, they're sociopaths, psychopaths, particularly psychopaths, they've lost the ability to feel uh, their surroundings, to feel for other people. They're totally lost in themselves. So I, I guess my last question would be because I know a lot of people are like, well, I'm, I want to manifest my business. I want to manifest money. I want to manifest love. So so how can we collectively come together uh and really transform the world instead of just being just focused in on our own stuff. I think the ability to focus in on your own stuff starts with your desire to be able to help on a larger scale. So what, what I'm trying to say is mm-hmm. I think you have a much better chance of getting that car, getting the money. If you start to think about how you fit in to the picture itself and how you can be a helpful individual, you know, to the whole and once you're on that vibe, I think the other stuff, you know, starts to manifest, you know, more more quickly. Um, one thing I can tell you is that the more you dwell on something, the you know, it can start to slip away from you. Um, I think uh, you set your intention and you think about the highest and best goal that you can have in your life. And you you visit that from time to time, but you don't need to go to the well every day. Um, how can I explain? A good example is we used to do spoon bending, okay? And um, when, when you think real hard about bending the spoon, nothing happens. Mm. When you think about bending the spoon and then you let go or something distracts you and then you go right back to it, that's when the spoon bends. So in other words, you have to let, you have to let go a little bit at a point of anything that you're desiring and let it take its course, you see, and then it, it, then it begins to happen. So there is such a thing as over, overthinking it, over, over trying to force it, trying to force it. Um, But, you know, the, the set, look, when I, when I, when I started off, my goal really was to help people. Mm -hmm. It was the first thing, the first thing I thought about, um, my success came later on, you know, probably as a result of that. Um, I didn't, the first thing I didn't think of was I want to make a ton of money. I mean, I could have used it in those days, but that wasn't the first thing I thought about. So I guess from my experience, I, I would say that, um, you know, uh, you can do that. You can sit around and think about money in a car and everything. And depending on the circumstances, that may or may not happen. But I think the way that you can really unleash the universal energy is really starting to think first of yourself as part of the whole rather than, you know, just think of yourself as a little island of desire. (laughs) Well, give us one last insight or revelation from your book that you want to share with the world. And guys, you got to go to his website. Peter, let us know what that is. But this book and even your, your show, your podcast has so much wisdom and knowledge Tell people, you know, what your website is, how they can watch you or listen to you with your podcast, and how can how can we get this book? 
Yeah, um, the best place to go is my website, petercanova.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A.com. Uh, it's got a lot of information on there, both about the book. It's got some very interesting videos. It's got a portal that goes to my um, my podcast that you mentioned, and also uh, to get you to uh, where you can see the the three books of the uh, of the trilogy. And, um, you know, I, I think um, a lot of people have written back and said that they found the website, you know, very, very uh, helpful to them, whether or not they got the book. But I, I think um, I think that the the book itself, like I said, uh, I think is one of the most complete roadmaps to help people put together a path where they can have these extraordinary experiences. And I think it can appeal to people at all levels of consciousness. Um, I, the, the logical analytical people, the intuitive, you know, feeling kind of people uh, there, 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 there is something in there that I think will inspire everybody. And then the knowledge, all the knowledge that, uh, and I mean, there, I mean, we, this is like a tour de force of creation and how, how creation operates, how things work, mm-hmm. both in scientific and spiritual spiritual level, but it all funnels down at the end into helping people uh, into a meditative practice that they, they, you know, that, that would help them. I, I cannot teach people how to meditate. I can't uh, say to you, uh, you know, I have a, I have a meditational instruction course. That's not my purpose at all. But what I do is give about a dozen different principles to help you enhance a meditative practice to keep in mind while you're trying to meditate that will help you have your best experience. Nothing but the truth, guys. You watch and get this book. I've read it. It's powerful. It's a Bible (laughs) in quantum spirituality. I've listened and watched uh, his podcast. Peter, thank you for who you are and all of the research and your experiences and your writings and for being a spiritual philosopher and a historian and all of the above and just sharing it with the world. So guys go to his website, get the book and and watch and listen to him. You got any final words for us, Peter? Not really just to say it it was a pleasure. (laughs) It was a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I hope, um, Uh, I hope people were able to get something helpful out of this. I'm sure everybody, uh, thank you so much, Peter, everybody. I want you to share this show with at least five people. And as I say every week, make a decision to create and live your best week while serving others. So everybody have a great week. Thank you for listening to Think, Believe and Manifest. Constance Arnold will be back next week with another great show just for you. For more information, please visit fulfillingyourpurpose.com.